frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. Don't you understand, George? It's because you were not born. Film church. Well, a, a boy's best friend is his mother. Never leave your partner behind. Hello everyone, this is your co-host Brandon here, just popping in to say that this episode and the next few episodes will be a little bit different. Um, Lewis is still in the middle of trying to move, so we have Zach on this episode. Um, It's actually kind of one episode that we sat down and recorded, uh, but it ended up being three hours long, so I split split it up into three episodes to kind of give Lewis a little bit of extra time. So doing a little bit different. Hope you enjoy. We'll be back soon for your regularly scheduled programming. And uh, thanks for being here. On with the show. Welcome to Film Church Radio, the podcast that trash talks cinema. (laughs) And this special episode. (laughs) Um, We are haters. Film haters. (laughs) Uh, so, um, this week we were supposed to do a, a, a special episode with Zach coming in as our guest to, uh, talk about a film, but we are postponing, uh, at least a week, maybe more, um, to help Lewis get settled in back home with his move. Um, so Lewis isn't here this episode. That's right. He's in. He's in London, England. Yes. <laughs> um, or Nottingham, England, I think. Nottingham, England. England. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so since the priest isn't here, we can get all sacrilegious on this episode and and uh, talk about movies we hate. So Zach is here with us, or with me, <laughs> with us <laughs> spiritually and physically um, to... Talk about movies we hate, and then hopefully next week uh, we'll have Lewis back to sing praises to cinema. But yeah, there's no structure to this. <laughs> I, I didn't do any planning. I I had had a quick look at my lowest rated films on on uh, Letterboxd, but that was about it. So we'll see where this where this oh, kind of goes. I, I put a little bit of thought into this. Okay, uh, nice. I did. I did make a little private letterbox list, just called hate. I, <laughs> I did manage to pare it down to ten films, but I don't even know if I hate all these movies. Yeah, or there's different levels of hate. <clears throat> I also want to apologize to the listeners about my voice because uh, I'm recovering from an illness, so um, yeah. it's 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 not good business in the pod the podcast anymore. <laughs> yeah, to get sick, but. Um, I'm trying my best. You got possessed by that film demon. Exactly. <laughs> so, since there's there's no structure here, I was just wondering, what is, to you like? What does it what does it take for you to hate a film? What, um, what does it mean for you to hate a film? Yeah, yeah, that's a good question because, um, you know, I don't know if I actually do hate any movies it's like uh, like there's definitely disappointments Mm -hmm. like there's definitely like movies that i've gone to see 
um, and just left feeling devastated, feeling feeling like your best friend like screwed you over. Okay. You know, um, and that you know. That doesn't like that doesn't necessarily bring a feeling of hate, but it's just you right. know overwhelming disappointment. Well, because hate is a very specific emotion. To, yeah. Because as I was trying to think, what what films do I hate? I there are a lot of films that I don't like. Yeah. Or I'm <laughs> indifferent to, but I don't think about them ever. You yeah. know, so the the it, it's more of a uh, oh I, I didn't really like that. Yeah, and and it never crosses my path again. Maybe it does years later, and I'm like, oh, let me check that out again. No, I still don't like it. Or maybe I changed my mind. I don't know. But hating a film, it's it's not just disliking it. It's like thinking yeah. about it, mm. stewing over it. Yeah, yeah. Trying to figure out what were they thinking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um... Yeah, there's probably a few Mel Gibson films like that. <laughs> See, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a Mel Gibson fan. No, I know. I, well, I was just, I guess, as a director. Yeah, that's what I meant. Called, that's what he's I in. Meant. He's in a lot of schlocky, uh, d like direct to streaming action movies that don't look too. Uh, it look like a waste of my time. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I mean, I uh, what is that new movie that's out that uh, that's like the QAnon movie? Yes, Sound of Freedom. Yeah, The Sound of Freedom. Like I haven't <laughs> seen that, but I've yeah. I've been thinking about going to see it just to, just so I can you know, just so I can know you know yeah, what I mean. Yeah, well, so first of all, I, I'm I'm not going to name that film in my hated list because uh, um, I haven't seen it, but uh, I do have a film on my list that might have some some um sort of sort of crossover with the with that in terms of audience um yeah so we can we can get to that we later can get on. to it yeah you you might be able to get into that for free i hear that people are like buying tickets um like buying out whole theaters i don't know if that means you can just like go and like get a free seat but yeah i don't know it's making money though i mean it's making a profit, <laughs> you know. Uh, is there any movies on your list that did give you that feeling of disappointment that I kind of described? Yes. Um, and I would say it has less to do with, like, my expectations as, like, say, a fan of a particular director or an actor well actually one of one of them is, is a disappointment kind of in that regard but a couple of them are more um uh, films that are acclaimed um where i i don't quite get it <laughs> you know yeah I don't yeah. get the acclaim but but there are a lot of movies like that that i don't hate and there are a couple where these have kind of crossed over into the hatred which actually I think has something to do with it because I think part of what makes you hate a movie is not just the film itself, but also 
maybe your expectations, but also some sort of external aspect of it, like the way that it's talked about, the way that other people receive it. Yeah. And you, you sort of develop a hate for it because... Because it's like overrated? <sighs> or... I don't even know if I like the, the word overrated or underrated, but um, but I, I guess it, it is a measurement of... Part of that hatred comes from kind of getting mad that people are responding to it positively. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> and and you're like, but no, this is terrible. <laughs> and and you start thinking about it and stewing over it more because of that. Yeah. So do you want to just like go back and forth? I have about six films, but then like, I, you know, we can also go take a look at the lowest rated movies on Letterboxd and IMDb. Sure. Um, the, my list is kind of like front loaded with the ones that I really hate and it kind of tapers off. Okay. Well, let's start. Let's start with that. Let's just, yeah. Tell me with the, with the front loaded. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So the, the most recent film on my list, um, is a, a movie called Loquitia. Okay. Uh, it is an independent comedy that came out in 2019. And I, I kind of wanted to avoid talking about recent films. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm kind of like not really interested in trash talking people who are currently working, uh, who I admire or don't, whether I admire them or not, you know, I kind of wanted to stick to stuff that the dust is settled, but Loquitia is uh, a, a mind bogglingly offensive film. Yeah. <laughs> um, it is uh, written, produced, directed by, edited by, and starring a uh, a comedian named uh, Jeremy Seville, and um, he's kind of like a, a down on his luck. Um, I think he's a bartender, uh, and somehow he 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 imitates a sassy black woman. Uh, I guess like maybe maybe he calls into a radio station imitating a sassy black woman giving someone advice and and the listeners love her so he becomes a celebrity by imitating a sassy black woman named loquisha and uh, things get difficult when they need to actually find a face for loquisha like she needs to start making appearances at places um so now he has to like cast an actor and get her to like be in on, on, on the, uh, the scheme with him. So obviously like the premise is already, you're just like, Oh, that's terrible. Like that, that's like, if, if I had, if I thought of this premise, like as an intrusive thought while I was in the shower, I would never tell anybody. <laughs> <laughs> and this guy made a movie. <laughs> Yeah, just putting it all out there. I'm not alone in my assessment of it. Um, it has a zero percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, it's now kind of like a frequent film on worst movies ever made. Besides, like the obvious problems with the the uh, the premise is it's just a cheaply made film. Yeah. Uh, a a part that sticks out is a. Uh, two characters are are talking and they specifically refer to their phones as iPhones. 
but you don't hear the word iPhone, you hear smartphone. And it's like a badly inserted ADR of the word smart. Uh... Because I, I guess they realized that they may have some sort of like legal trouble if they say iPhone. So you can see their mouths saying iPhone. And you hear this horrible ADR of smartphone. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, that that's just one example. Like the filmmaking is amateurish. It's really bad. The yeah. movie only got any kind of um, recognition because uh, the trailer went viral and, uh. and, and people were like, this is terrible. You know, you should have kept this in the drafts. <laughs> now, thankfully, you know, it's not a widely seen film. It's going to be forgotten. So it's not going to have too negative an impact on culture. But I watched it in a curiosity and, and was just... It's just one of those things where you, you, you're kind of like, why did you waste all these people's time yeah. making this film? I mean, sometimes people do that. that like, they they kind of see the viral potential because of how controversial it comes across. Mm -hmm. well, I mean, it is, I mean, it is controversial, yeah. you know? So, uh, and to some degree, the dude was right because the trailer went viral. Right. But you know, yeah, but it, it's, it's, short, it's short lived viral fame. Though. Exactly. It's like, you what know? did you gain from that? Like, you know, you didn't get, I don't know. Like, I wonder if he grew his audience because of that, maybe, you know, for the terrible people that are out there that, you know, think that kind of thing is funny or I don't know. I, I don't know. If anything, it feels like he ruined any chance he had of like getting uh, maybe a more... Um, mainstream film in in the pipeline down you know because then he did he did basically do everything he wrote it and produced it and directed it right edited it and all that and and there's you got to give someone some credit i guess for doing all of that um and actually being able to get the film made uh but it just to me it just i i, I have to believe that he burned too many bridges not even burning bridges just you know, you would, I would look that, look at that and never want to work with you. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's another thing too. It's like, you can make movies about like terrible characters, but you know, it, it sounds like the movie was not self-aware. No, it, it, I mean, it, uh, it's like done in bad taste. Yeah. And I mean, cause that's a premise that there's probably some comedy writer out there who could take that premise and, actually make something smart out of it maybe yeah um but this is not it yeah um well a movie that came to mind <laughs> when i was thinking of terrible movies uh is a 2020 film and i don't like talking about newer films either but um what the hell we're doing it uh <laughs> Spencer Confidential, uh, starring Mark Wahlberg, is so bad. <laughs> it's so bad. <laughs> I uh, I had to to um, 
to think for a second. I was like, I've never heard of this. And then you said starring Mark Wahlberg. And I'm like, no, I have heard of that. I watched it. (laughs) (laughs) You did watch it? It was so bad. It, It just like, first of all, change the name like what yeah. what like spencer comp like he the movie is like trying to be i know it's based on a book or whatever but it's like trying to be um i don't know it's like trying to be the town you know the ben affleck movie like or or it's trying to be like a martin scorsese film but or is, something like a comedy it's sort of but it's not i don't think it, that's the thing is it it didn't like there was no uh it, it felt like there was no direction it seemed like it was supposed to be serious with some jokes mm-hmm. you know kind of like a martin scorsese film or or uh you know like yeah. any good drama you've got a little bit of comedy um right but it was like trying way too hard to be cool. Yeah. I um unless the whole thing is supposed to be a parody, but I didn't I didn't get the sense that it was. I mean, I don't know. I I remember watching it um because I think I was trying to uh like catch up on um the films from from that director, Peter Berg. Who directed uh-huh. it? And I've still only seen two of his movies. I guess I because I've seen Friday Night Lights. He directed, and um, he directed a movie called Patriots Day, which is like about the Boston Marathon bombers. Oh which right, yeah. On paper, seems like a movie that I would hate, but I actually really enjoy it. <laughs> like it's real. It stars Mark Wahlberg, of course, and it's real schlocky. Um, but like. It's well done in, a, yeah. in enough of a way that made me like go, oh no no, I I, I enjoyed that. That kind of kind of made me tear up at the end. Um, so he's a competent filmmaker, um, but like this movie looks nothing like anything else he's made. Yeah, like visually, it's it's like a flat, bland. What's well, a Netflix film? And yeah. It looks like it looks like a TV movie. Yeah. Yeah. Also has Post Malone in it. Winston Duke, Alan Arkin. Like Rest in peace, Alan Arkin. Yeah. Just passed away. Yeah. Winston Duke is a great actor. Yeah, he is a very good actor. Um yeah, it's just a it's just a it's just a flop. You know, it's just like <laughs> Yeah. One yeah. of those movies that people like, I don't know, like Netflix just throws money at things. And um, I feel like, you know, getting getting a film produced by Netflix is almost especially if you're already an established director and you're working with Mark Wahlberg. They're just going to give you free reign to do anything. They're going to be well, like, we trust you. Here's all the money. Whereas like sometimes you need a hardcore producer. To be like, ah, let's do another rewrite of the script. Or, hey, maybe Spencer Confidential is a terrible name for an action movie. <laughs> like, um, Yeah, I, it, it is definitely uh, 
uh, like you say, when established filmmakers get a, a deal with Netflix, those are usually the, the, the Netflix films that are tolerable, um, mm. that are watchable, you know? Yeah. Well, um, when you're talking about like Martin Scorsese or like, you know. <laughs> yeah, but like, I don't know. Um, who's a... Uh... I, I just wonder well, like, uh, what the heck yeah. happened? Like who, like at what point were they like, you know? No, I, I agree with you because, um, again, Peter Berg is a, is a competent filmmaker and this feels very below what he is capable of, of delivering. And it seems strange that he would direct this film with the freedom that he presumably got with Netflix. Yeah. You know, um, when you get that freedom, I kind of expect it to be like a hidden gem. You know, you're, you're sort of uh, back pocket, like, oh, I've always wanted to make this movie. And I have a hard time believing that that is that this is the case for anyone with this film. Yeah. Um, and the thing with these movies, like sometimes <laughs> sometimes you can have a good, bad movie. Mm-hmm. but I think the movies we're talking I, about on this episode are just bad, bad, like not, there's not a, not a situation where, you know, it's going to turn into the room, you know, and people are going to love to sit around watching a terrible movie. It's like, right. Just all around. Terrible. <laughs> yeah. I think <laughs> Which is hard for me to say. It's hard for me to just, you know, well, and I think this be is so supposed sad. to, um, I think it's just supposed to like spawn a uh, franchise. I it, that's what it felt like at the end because I I I think there's like a series of books or whatever. Yeah, it, it is. Um, yeah, because some of these Netflix has sort of done a few films where uh, it feels like they're trying to set up like oh they're gonna milk this. Yeah, I mean I assume the movie's a flop. <laughs> Not that, not that they released those numbers, but Bright was supposed to be a big thing for them, and we haven't seen any continuation of that either. Oh, um, I don't think there's going to be at this point now. No, with no, Will no, Smith. there won't. Um, but uh, I can't. I don't know. I, I, well, I yeah, I mean, they're trying to create IP. You know, they're trying to. That's the whole thing. They're trying to build universes with all these things and, uh, you know, have a, you know, get a cash cow, which isn't a bad thing to have. You know, if you're a studio, you got to, you know, you got to, you got to have your things that make you the big money. Um, and then, and then hopefully with that, you're willing to take some losses, um, or take some risks by, you know, giving money to, um, people who are trying to create art or, you know, art films or, you know, express ideas and be experimental. Um, (laughs) well, but I can't even find, I can't even find a budget for this movie. Yeah. It's, it's getting harder to find stuff like that, but also there's paywalls now. It's like before on IMDB, you could just, you know, see what the budget was on thing on things and now you have to have imdb pro if you want to look at well 
Yeah. IMDb has also been like a completely function, uh, non-functional website for like the last decade. In terms of like being updated? Uh, Or just like, uh, just like glitchy? As a a user experience, it's, it's so ugly and I don't know where to find anything. Um, You know, like, let me just pull it up here. Like, uh, I think there might be a way to like actually convert it into classic mode. It used to be a very, uh, a more text based website. Yeah. And now it's just cluttered in images and, and ads and videos. Yeah. Um, and it's, I mean, I'm scrolling through the front page right now and it's like, as a person, I don't want to look at this, so I'm clicking it close. <laughs> um, but yeah, it used to be much easier to find all of that on an IMDb page for a film. Like it, it was more, it was more text based and not like image based, and it was laid out in nice, clean fashion. And, uh, yeah, I think Amazon bought them and changed the layout, and it's just been. I prefer not to go there. The one thing I do like about Amazon Prime when you watch movies is that you have like the actors and stuff. Yeah, and 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 uh, that are just available during the scene. But that's also, uh, you know, a double-edged sword because then you're looking up shit while you're watching the movie instead of watching the movie. I usually, uh, I usually don't. So it's okay. I never, that's, that's one of those things that never successfully got distracted. Um, or th- that never successfully distracted me. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, when I pause a movie, you have like the, the headshots of all the actors yeah. that are in that scene. Yeah. All right. So what's next on your, your list? So this is where the crossover with, um, what was that movie called? Sound of Freedom might come in. Okay. And maybe you have more experience with this film than I do. I don't know. I have not seen too many Christian evangelical films. Uh-huh. Um, but one that I have seen multiple times is Fireproof. Directed, <laughs> by, directed by Alex Kendrick uh, and yeah. written with his brother, um, who I don't know if they still have this, the, it seemed like for a period in the 2000s and 2010s, they were the they were the, the guys making Christian films. Yeah. Because they were making films independently in, I think, Georgia is like where they're based. Yeah. Albany, Georgia, I think. They, they were making independent films that actually looked like movies, <laughs> you know, like maybe they're not perfect, but. But there was a sheen of professional production value to their work, yeah. as far as I understood it. Enough that you might trick a non-evangelical into watching it, and they might get to a certain point where they, before they realize, they might be get far enough into the film before they realize, oh, this is this is an evangelical Christian thing. Yeah. Oh, this is propaganda. <laughs> right. But I'm already um, invested. Are you telling so me you I, don't love the part when he smashes the computer with a baseball bat because of his porn addiction? I actually love that part. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's it, maybe it's um, 
like I said, I haven't watched a whole lot of evangelical Christian films. So I kind of use Fireproof as like the ur text of what I assume. Oh, well, it's, it's definitely are. the height of Christian, like right. Christian films. I mean, this is a movie that was made for $500,000 and right. made $33.5 million. Hey, when church groups go to see a movie, they go to see a movie. <laughs> they, 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 fill the, they fill that theater They up. come in flocks. Plus, there's a whole network of Christian uh, news and radio. Yeah. And so, well, that, that's part, that's part of it too. Is is it, like this is a movie that has like a built-in. Um, it's like a built-in uh, marketing for. Yeah, their, exactly. It's for like their, for their marriage counseling bullshit. Like, it, yeah, there's a there's a book in the movie. Like, no, yeah, proof your marriage. That's a yeah. real book. Yeah, that yeah, they are selling. You know, yeah. Um, no, if you if you want to make if you want uh, if you want to guarantee that that people will go see your movie, convince every preacher in America to tell you to mm-hmm. go see it, to tell their churches to go see it, and you'll make Ooh, money. Like Sound of Freedom, um, very important movie. Uh, this important movie too, because <laughs> excuse me, because. Um, why <laughs> you might have to do some editing <laughs> we must this, know <laughs> this is an important movie because it is about the state of marriage in america and and this you know this is a film that will save millions of marriages i i think i'm frustrated by the fact that the two lead characters are seemingly not evangelical Christians or Christian at all. Um, they seem to just be secular people, but they, they, I don't believe them as that. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, no, they're not normal. Like they're not normal people. Like they behave like evangelical Christians, except that, Oh, well, well, I was going to say, except he's got a porn addiction, but actually I guess I'm, Sure, millions of evangelical uh, men uh, watch porn. Um, but it, that's the other thing is, is it's just like this very unrealistic portrayal. Not that I'm going to the film for realism, but its un, its lack of realism is is frustrating to such a degree that it gets me fuming when I have watched this movie. Yeah, um, it feels like an unrealistic portrayal of trouble in marriage of infidelity or, you know, uh, almost infidelity because the wife has a, a co a coworker who treats her right. And she's kind of flirting with the idea of maybe she'll, you know, maybe this, maybe I married the wrong guy and this is the guy that I should have been with, you know, yeah. a very unrealistic portrayal of probably of porn addiction. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, but I, I also the movie has to be a PG movie, right? So yeah. you can't you can't show a realistic portrayal of porn addiction um, at that level. Uh, and I, I just yeah, it, it 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 gets me steamed up at how just frustrating these characters are and the story is. Yeah, it's it's like it's like the filmmaker. It's it's it feels like the filmmakers have actually never 
talked to someone who is not a Christian mm-hmm. or spent any or has any friends who aren't Christian or actually, you know, truly knows someone. Um, right. <laughs> it's just their idea of what a, a non-Christian would be like, which is yeah. um, inaccurate. Um, yeah, no, this movie. Uh, yeah, I it. it, it I think it was it was it it was released in cinemas, of course, mm-hmm. but it also I don't think it premiered, but it it did screen at the San Antonio Independent Christian Film Festival uh, okay. the the year that I went. Well, I went two I went two different years, but okay, I went uh, the year that it was there, and it was all <laughs> the rage. Mm-hmm. Um, Kirk Cameron well, Kirk, was there. Kirk, that's the other thing is Kirk Cameron is. He's a real actor. Yeah. You know, or he was. Well, yeah. I mean, he <laughs> acted with Leonardo DiCaprio, you know. Right. Um, um, yeah. I mean, he's, that, yeah, that he's. Some credit. Some, uh, yeah, exactly. You know, street cred. It's, yeah, exactly. Um, and, and the, and the, um, yeah, this definitely was the peak for the, for these filmmakers. Um, Alex Kendrick and. Stephen Kendrick, the Kendrick brothers. Right. Um, and they, you know, they had built, you know, they had made, they had made, I think this was their third film. So they had made like a, a, a super low budget film that was funded by their church. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not surprising. It's not that impressive. It's, it, you know, when you're talking about raising the money for a film, if you're going to make a Christian film, you can convince like there's churches have so much money. It's not that impressive for a church to be like, yeah, let's pay for a film. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, it 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 is completely out of touch, obviously. But you know, I I'm not I'm not gonna say that like I don't necessarily think the filmmakers are bad people or anything. They're just right. completely out of touch. Um, but I did, you know, I mean, I was 18 when this movie came out, and mm-hmm. you know, I yeah. was. I, I considered myself a Christian filmmaker when this came out. Yeah, so I was, yeah. I really enjoyed this movie and, you know, um, when it came out, mm-hmm. <laughs> I haven't probably watched it and since then, but, uh, or, you know, maybe a couple of times, but like, um, yeah, Kirk Cameron, Kirk Cameron was there. I got a picture with him. Uh, mm-hmm. I got a picture. I got a picture with Alex Kendrick, the director. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then me and my dad went to like CBS or somewhere and printed it out and then ran into him again and got him to sign it. So I have a signed picture with Alex Kendrick from when this movie came out at the San Antonio Independent Christian Film Festival, which fell apart because um, the, the guy who headed the film festival cheated on his wife. <laughs> Isn't that ironic? Um <laughs> but yeah, and he was he was all about this movie, too, you know, and and mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, did it save marriage? I mean, it's been uh fifteen years since it came out. How's marriage doing in America? Um, I don't know. Is it still fifty fifty? Probably. I, I think so. <laughs> More people might be watching porn. Um, than ever before the the, the (laughs) technology I also just want to say as because I'm 
not, uh, like I said, I, I didn't grow up around evangelical culture. Um, and I grew up in a pretty secular house. Uh, religion wasn't really a thing. But um, I, I, I still have a spiritual side. And throughout history of film, there have been many movies that are that I would describe as Christian films. I would not describe them, I would not uh, uh, group them with Fireproof or movies of this ilk, because rather than being um, preaching to the choir, they're films about spiritual connection or, or finding transcendence uh, or God in the world, you know. Um, and I, I, I connect to those movies despite not being Christian or having a Christian upbringing and not being very religious. I can still uh, relate to that in, in a movie where that is, that is something that's happening. And it feels to me like in Fireproof, there is no, there is no real spiritualism. There is no transcendence. There's, I feel no sense of like, you know, a higher power or, or a, a reason to be a reason for life or whatever in this movie. Yeah. This is like a version of Christianity that is just um, uh, a, uh, a secluded part of the world, a secluded part of the country, really, looking at itself on a movie screen, basically. Yeah, or, or it's, I mean, I think it, more likely what it is is a, uh, it's just, it, it's just a, a, a sermon on screen. Yeah, yeah. That's what it is. You know, but it's, it, it's a, sermon, a sermon where I don't feel like closer to God listening to it, you know? Yeah. It's just someone <laughs> preaching at you. It's not right. like, you know, it's not someone trying to relate to you or like welcome you with open arms or say, right. you know, or whatever. It's just, it's just preaching at you, right. which everybody has experienced that. Even if yeah. you are a Christian and, do experience spirituality in church. Um, you've definitely mm -hmm. gone to some churches where you're being preached at and you're like, mm, this is not for me. Right. But it did connect with a lot of people. Uh, I mean, it made this, this is true. a buttload of money. Um, you know, I would hope that they just, you know, use that money <laughs> to, uh, you know, gave all that money to God basically and used it to help other people. But, I don't know. I, I don't know. They used it to make Courageous, their follow-up film. Well, yeah, they made Courageous. I mean, they, <laughs> they're they still making movies. I mean, I just I just looked at it, but they definitely peaked here, you know. Yeah, and I, it's interesting because this is also like their breakthrough, right? This is kind of like Fireproof stretched a little bit outside of their bubble. Yeah, exactly, where a, lo a lot of other people went to see it. Right. Yeah. Um. Yeah, the the guys kind of leading the um, the Christian filmmaking now are um, the Irwin brothers. Um, I don't know Do if I you've know you you probably have heard of some of their films. Let me uh, let me pull them up real quick because they they've also worked with uh, some big big name actors, and I've I've met these guys too. Uh, their recent film was Jesus Revolution. Okay. I mean these yeah. these movies get released in, in cinemas. Yes. Uh, G the Jesus Music, 
American Underdog, I Still Believe, I Can Only Imagine, uh, Woodlawn. Mom's Night Out. Mom's Night Out. I, I remember this movie coming out um, because I don't think this was... Maybe I'm mixing up with something else, but because I don't, I don't think that this was like uh, advertised as a faith-based film. Like you would see the trailer for it and just be like, "Oh, it's a, a comedy." No, well, and it's before Bad Moms as well, and it and it has the Bad Moms font, which is weird because uh-huh. Bad Moms was huge. I mean. Bad Moms was a smash hit at the right, cinemas. Right, right. Mom's Night Out. Um, I don't know how well it did, but it's got Sean Astin in it. That yeah, I saw that. Speaking uh, of which, um, would you consider? I, it's been a long time since I've seen the movie, but would you consider Rudy like a a kind of a Christian film, like a spiritual film? I, I can't remember how much God plays into it. I feel like there's a lot of prayer in it, though. Probably is, but that is probably... I feel like that's more just a college football thing. And a, it's Notre Dame, right? Uh-huh. Which is a Catholic university. Uh, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Um. So, like, I would say that Rudy... Rudy probably does have... Uh, I have not seen that movie in like 20 years, maybe. Um, well, also, what's the um, uh, the, the blind side? That's another one. Yeah. That's, a, that's another one that's like... Yeah. And now, but see, those are movies that are not expressly evangelical films, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, is not but it has a huge evangelical yes. audience. Yeah. And I, I don't know about that character, but I, I think that, that it is, it's like a Hollywood movie that is actually dipping into the world that of, of people who are evangelical or who are in no evangelical, the South, you know, um, and, and imbuing that like, uh, inspirational aspect of the story, uh, into it, but trying to color it in such a way that, that audiences who are not Christian will go and see it because we love Sandra Bullock. Um, and not feel like they're being preached at. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 What's interesting about, uh, I don't know. There's just a random thought, but like, um, a non-Christian and a Christian is, uh, well, I, I don't know if I should say this. This probably isn't true, but. It, it's probably more common for a non-Christian to know someone like the Sandra Bullock character, like to know someone that's like an evangelical Christian and be friends with them than for um, a Christian person to do the same with someone who is oh, in, in that I circle. But there are definitely exceptions. So, you know, what do I know? But I, I do want to say, I know my dad listens to this show. I do want to say... Um, I do appreciate my dad taking me to that film festival and mm-hmm. I do cherish that part of my life, uh, even though I'm not in that world anymore. Well, it's you part know. of your, your, your life. It's part of your history. It's yeah. part of your, uh, evolution as a filmmaker. Yeah, and exactly. A fan. Um, so 
uh, it's nothing to to be embarrassed or ashamed about. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, um, I just. Yeah, I just know my dad listens to the show. You know, I want him to know I love sure. him and I appreciate everything he did. So, I um, mean, the story about getting the picture, then getting printing out a copy, and then bumping into the guy again—that's <laughs> a that's a good story. It's pretty epic. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I got to I got to meet a lot of these people. I mean, the Irwin brothers. I went to their um, their they had they had a I, th- I think they advertised it there at the film festival because they came to one of the panels and they were like, hey, we're, 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 uh, they hadn't made a feature film yet, but they were like, we're doing okay. like this week long film school here in Alabama or, yeah, it was in, yeah, it was in Birmingham. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're doing this week long film school. They, they had done a lot of like, um, high end music videos for, uh, the big Christian artists like Michael W. Smith and like, you know, they were like the go-to music video, Christian music video guys. Um, But they loved film uh, and they wanted, that's what they wanted to get into. And then um, it, it is kind of cool that that's, that's what they, I mean, they're, they're very successful now. I mean, mom's night out was budget of 5 million. They made 10 million. They doubled their money. And I I think they work with uh, Providence, or something like that. It's a division of Sony Films that does these faith-based gotcha. movies. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> because because there's always like a lot of them end up having a couple of actors that you know. You know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and they're very. I mean, they're very smart filmmakers. I mean, other like Hollywood should be taking a look at these guys because like you don't need to spend three hundred million dollars. Spend five million. Yeah. Yeah. And double your money or quadruple it's, your money or, you know what I mean? Like, right. I mean, it's, it's kind of the same thing with, uh, Tyler Perry who, yeah. uh, like uh, so many people doubted that guy still doubt the guy. And it's like, he's built an empire basically, yeah. you know, his films, maybe, uh, uh, some of them have not done as well as others. But like, it's like consistently making movies that that make money, that has an audience. People go and see him. Now he he has his own studio in Atlanta. Like, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's the fact that people kind of uh, Hollywood maybe doesn't follow examples uh, from these filmmakers is is a, a it's a blind spot in their um, on their part, because clearly these are filmmakers who know they're filling in a gap in the market that Hollywood doesn't cater to. All right, y'all that's it for this week. Um, we will continue this discussion next week in part two. Hope you enjoyed. Uh, you can find us on all the social media platforms at film church radio, and you can find, uh, Lewis and I individually on Letterbox. I am at Selman Scope and Lewis is at Walker Lewis 3007. Yeah, you can keep up with what Lewis has been watching, what I've been watching, because we log our films daily. But yeah, thanks for joining us. Please come back next week to hear the rest. I'm going to give you a little teaser of 
next week's episode now. But uh, yeah, amen. Moving on from Fireproof. <laughs> we just talked like <laughs> a while about that, but um, yeah, there's a lot to talk about. Um, we're going to continue to get sacrilegious here. Uh, yeah. So we really were getting sacrilegious there. Uh, yeah, we really were. <laughs> uh, okay. So one of the, one of the big movie disappointments that I had, mm-hmm. um, was, uh, a series of films. Um, the third one is the one that I would rip apart the most. Okay, but the was seeing the first one, it it just left this huge, huge disappointment, um, and letdown for me okay. the first time I saw it. It's it, it's better to me now when I go back and watch it, the first and the second one, mm-hmm. but the third one is just kind of unwatchable. Um, okay, it's the Hobbit movies. 